1: Welcome, everyone, to today's episode of Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. I'm Sally Ganga from Bright Horizons College Coach. This show will be all about juniors, so if you're graduating in 2024 or you have a student who is, this is for you. For our second segment, I'm actually having a great long discussion with three of my colleagues, Mary Sue Yoon, formerly of Barnard College in New York, Aisha Wong of University of Florida, formally, um, and Alexandra Rendon of UC San Diego about college admission essays. We'll talk about whether you should start them now, what they should be like, and also really should you be writing about traumatic experiences? Because that's that's something students do a lot. Some students think it's a positive some students don't realize that it's something they can do. When is it good? When is it maybe something they should rethink? We'll be addressing all of that. But first, I'll be talking with Chrissy Foran about whether the junior year of high school is too early for parents and students to start thinking about colleges. And um, I I have a strong feeling, Chrissy, that um, it's actually not too early. Is that is that accurate to say? <laughs> a very good feeling, Sally. <laughs> all right, all right. So let's just to start with what are some of the things that students actually can do now? I mean, I think families sort of feel a little helpless. So what can they do? Like like what can they start with? And And I know merit scholarships come up a lot. So maybe kind of thinking about those.
2: Yeah, we talk with families a lot about um, looking for merit scholarship opportunities and the best ways to find those and, and the best schools to apply to. And that's certainly something that you probably do not want to be starting in your senior year of high school because it's going to be almost you know too little too late. And the whole process is really overwhelming, as I'm sure you, you well know. And talking with families, it, it can be very overwhelming with both finance and admission. So one of the really more kind of simple things I think a, a family or a student can do is to start researching merit scholarship opportunities. And so if there are particular schools that your uh, student wants to go to, even in their junior year, in their sophomore year, those are the great times to get onto those college websites. Just go to the website, type in merit scholarship in their search bar, see what comes up. Um, You wanna see what, you know, a lot of of schools will actually um, post a lot of different things about the merit scholarship opportunities that they have. Sometimes they'll show grade point averages or they'll show you Know the things that they look for in a merit uh, in students for merit scholarship. So, um, to kind of start that process now and you know, maybe get a spreadsheet going of, of these are the colleges I'm interested in, this is the merit opportunities they do offer. Maybe they don't offer merit opportunities, and so that's another good way to kind of help plan you know, going forward if you're looking at these schools and that's not a possibility. What other ways are you going to use to pay for schools? So kind of researching merit opportunities helps you to get a balanced college list that can include a good mix of those schools that are probable for you or, or likely schools that are possible and some of those reach schools that you're not sure you're going to get into. Um, so merit's most likely at schools that you're more probable to get into or, you know, schools where you are kind of the average, more of a possible. Depends on the school, but I mean, merit's, that's an easy thing to be doing as a junior in high school or, or parents of a junior and, and to kind of understand those expectations of the schools they're looking at.
1: hmm Yeah. I do always, uh, I'm always kind of a little flabbergasted when families say, well, merit is really important. And then they're applying to all IVs. And I'm like, IVs don't yeah. give merit. Now they're very generous with need-based, but like, let's think realistically, right. you know, about what this is actually going to cost you. Um, again, though, very generous with need-based aid. So if you do have high need, right. please keep those on your list. Right. Um, All right, what about outside scholarships, like ones that are not through the college that you are attending?
2: Yeah, I mean, we talk a lot with families, you know, especially of juniors, of the different kinds of scholarships. So, merit is one of them that they can start researching now. Need based aid is another one they can be researching. Like, as you were just saying, if you know that the school has very um, robust, you know, need based aid, that's a good thing to know at this point. Mm -hmm. But private scholarships are another thing that. I mean really you can start in any year of high school but definitely by the junior year that's something that the, the student really wants to start to kind of research because again scholarship private scholarship searches are very overwhelming I mean there's millions of scholarships out there in the United States for the taking and it's a matter of trying to figure out where do you search for them how do you look for them how do you keep track of them and if you're if you're a senior and you're just starting that in your sem- fall of senior year if you're, not, if you're new to the scholarship arena and you're applying for schools, you're filling out admissions applications, writing essays, trying to do financial aid, that's going to fall by the wayside because it just gets too overwhelming and it's too much work. So as a junior, if you can start that process uh, a little early on and get on some of the, the private scholarship websites that are out there and create some profiles, you know, get in the habit of, of checking those each week and You know, treating it not so much as a a job, but if it's something that you can work into your schedule, you know, a half hour, an hour each week in your junior year, by the time you're a senior, and that's when it really starts gearing up for private scholarships, you're going to know what you're doing. You're already going to have profiles created on websites. You're already going to have a spreadsheet of some of those scholarships that that you think are interesting for you and that you Mm -hmm. can apply for. Um, start talking regularly now with your high school counselor to see if, they, if there's opportunities that they might know about so that you're not scrambling at the last minute in your senior year trying to, to get all this figured out. Mm-hmm. Junior year is a, a great time to do that. Have your parents start checking with their employers about any scholarships or any kind of educational opportunities that their companies might offer. So
1: mm-hmm. again,
2: it's, it's part of that, you know, paying for college and kind of getting prepared and seeing what's out there.
1: Mm hmm. And I imagine I mean this is pretty rare but sometimes there are scholarships that are available specifically that they want juniors to be applying during their junior year right
2: Yeah and that's true thank you for for mentioning that too yeah. I mean there there can be scholarships out there if you're looking for you know creating a profile on a website you can let them know what what year you are in school what age you are if you know you're 16 and and a junior yeah they will look for scholarships for students of that particular age as well. So there can actually be scholarships out there that you can apply for as a junior, mm-hmm. um, instead of just kind of waiting until, you know, your senior year. So, and there may not be a lot of other students doing it at this age. So it's a great time to kind of take advantage of that.
1: Hmm. All right. And Lynn, um, what else can they be doing other than looking for scholarships? I mean, I think that's the first place people go to, but there are other things that you can do.
2: Uh, there's, uh, there's so many things that families can do to kind of get prepared. And, and a, one of the bigger ones as a family, as best parents, to really think about what you can afford to pay for college for your child. Um, one of the biggest things that you you want to make sure you know of is when your child comes home and says, hey, I really want to apply to Yale, mom, or I really want to apply to you know Stanford or University of Washington. You need to know what the cost of each of those schools is going to be. Um, Because costs can vary so wildly, depending on if it's an in-state school, an out-of-state school, a private college. I mean, costs can vary anywhere from $25,000 a year to $85,000 a year, um, Mm -hmm. you know, for all costs, which include tuition, room and board, and books, and all of that. But so you need to get a good feel for, number one, where is your child interested in? What does the cost look like for that? But the other thing is, what part of that cost does the school expect you to pay Mm -hmm. And so as a parent, you can go on if your child does come home and say, hey, I'm interested in school XYZ, go to that school's website and search for their net price calculator. So every college has um, a calculator on their website and it's called a net price calculator. You could probably search for financial aid calculator, but it's a calculator where you can as a parent input your some of your financial information and the school's website will calculate what they think your ability to pay for that year would be for your child. So that's a really great way to kind of plan and say okay, my son wants to go to to Yale. I know that Yale, you know, from what from our research we know Yale does not offer merit scholarships, so he's mm-hmm. not going to get anything there. Let's get onto the Yale website. Let's do the net price calculator. Maybe Yale costs 85,000, maybe they tell you that you have to pay 55,000 of that and Yale will help cover the other 30. Well, that's a wonderful thing to know in your junior year rather than in senior year. Again, when you're in the thick of Mm -hmm. applying and trying to figure out where your child's going to go. So knowing, you know, kind of how much the college will cost, you can see that on the college website as well. Knowing what they think you your ability to pay would be a really good thing to know. And then that way, once you kind of have those two things out of the way and you kind of get an idea of what the schools are expecting you to pay. You can look for other ways to pay. You know, you can look at borrowing loans if you need to. You can talk about payment plans with the schools. And those are usually, you know, information available on the website. If you intend to have your child borrow student loans, you know, I have a lot of parents that I talk to that say, we want my my child to have skin in the game. We do want him to borrow or her to borrow some student loans. Well, that's a good thing to be discussing with your child in their junior year, Mm -hmm. setting some expectations and saying, look, this is how much we've saved for you for college. So if you do want to go to a a more expensive school we are going to need to see if we can qualify for some financial aid or we're going to have to talk about borrowing or maybe your child's working in the summer and and saving money for that or part-time during the year so i I think if you can start to use those calculators um you know start talking with your child about expectations you know do you want them to stay close to home there's so many things you can talk about but really having that that conversation about what you as a family can afford um if you plan to have your child borrow you know, use some loan calculators to see what that looks like when they're done with school and graduated. What does their payment look like each month? Is that a doable payment based on what they want their career to be?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what about saving money? Is it too late in the junior year to do that?
2: Never too late to start saving. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's never too late. And we again, we talk about that all the time um, about, you know, kids can start kids can help i mean set up a savings plan for your child so if they have a summer job they get a part-time job they're babysitting mowing lawns any money that they can save now that can help pay for even just college expenses like you know buying laundry detergent in your dorm room or paying for your books those things can be really helpful in terms of you know planning for colleges and the colleges that you can afford and any money you can save now is just less interest you're going to have to pay on a loan later so if you can save some money now and earn some interest it's so much better than lo- borrowing money later and actually paying interest on that. Mm-hmm. So I think you know in terms of of saving in terms of your your kids as a junior, you know, make sure that your child has a checking or savings account open. Make sure they understand the basics of how those work. You don't want them to figure that out you know on campus their freshman year from a, do- a roommate because I mean that's just such a confusing time anyway. Okay. So if they understand kind of the basics of, of budgeting and how a checking account or a debit card works, um, you know, how to withdraw money out, how to how to balance that and make sure that you know you're not spending more than you have. Um, you know, so any anything that you can do now to kind of help your child, anything you can save as well, look at your budget each month, each year. If there's expenses you no longer have, put that into a savings account. You know, take advantage of some of the tax advantage savings accounts out there, like five twenty nine college savings plans. Um, so, yeah, I think any any time it's, is a good time to save. Anywhere you save is great. There's not one account that's better than the other. It's, you know, save as much as you can because then you're not paying interest on it later.
1: Yeah. By the way, I laughed because I did not know how to um, write a check. I did know about savings, but I'd <laughs> never written a check. So my roommate, I went to the grocery store and froze at the cash register. And I was like, Andrea, Andrea, how do I do you know she like knew exactly luckily she was a good resource actually she knew what she was doing so
2: <laughs> and when i went to college as a freshman he was teaching me how to balance my use my debit card and you know the money's not there anymore so you can't use it and <laughs> you can't write a check it won't cover it it's yeah so i didn't know before i went to college so if anything they can teach them before leaving the house is fantastic
1: exactly all right. This all seems like a lot. So how do you how do people organize themselves? Like how do they get started?
2: Yeah, it, it's it's so overwhelming. And there's so much information. I think if you can do baby steps, take it, you know, bit by bit in little chunks. I think that really helps. So start a spreadsheet. Maybe the first thing you do is, you know, look at your finances and see if there's anywhere, you know, you can save a little bit more. Start looking at college costs. Um, start a spreadsheet, list some of the schools that your your child is interested in going to. And Mark the cost of attendance down. Start to look for merit opportunities to see what that school offers. Put it in a spreadsheet. You know, there's deadlines, as you know, Sally, for everything in in college finance and college admissions. So, making note of when is the admissions application due? When is the financial aid application due? You know, what other things does the college you know need from you in order to be applying? So, I think any way that you can track that, I say spreadsheets. But you know, if if you're not a spreadsheet person, if you have a notebook, whatever you want to use. Um, tracking all of that, especially with private scholarships, you know, your child could start a separate spreadsheet on their own and track their own scholarship website, put in the URL, put in the deadline for the scholarship, what the amount is, you know, maybe what the essay is about. Um, so I think anything you can do to to start now organizing that. So, again, when senior year comes, you're going to be good to go. You're going to be ready, ready when it's happening. You're not going to be feeling overwhelmed and like you have no idea what's going on because you're doing you're spending your junior year kind of doing all of this busy work now so that you'll be set when your child's a senior and, and everything starts happening in the fall
1: Mm-hmm. okay all right great well Chrissy this is super helpful
2: well, good. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here. This was great. Hopefully we gets going to get some good
1: tips today. Yes, hopefully so. Hopefully they'll act on those tips too, which is always the hard part, right? Like <laughs> getting, yeah. getting yourself organized to do it. So, Sorry. all right, well, we're going to take a break and then um, we'll be talking to Mary Sue, Alex and Aisha.
0: We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey,
3: Alexa. Hey, Google.
0: Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But don't forget to make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. College admissions can be stressful, but Bright Horizons College Coach is here to help.
4: you
1: Welcome back, everyone, and I have a full complement of colleagues today. It's very exciting. Hello, Mary Sue, Aisha, and Alex. So excited to have you here. Um, and this, um, this today, it's been all about juniors, which I always think is good. Like, juniors get started thinking early, and right now we're thinking about essays. And Aisha, I want you in particular to weigh in on, is it too early to juniors for juniors to get started on their essays? What do you think?
3: I I don't really think so. I think actually it's probably a perfect time for them to start those early phases of preparing for the essay writing process and really working to create a stress-free experience as they start to work on that component. I think writing essays is probably one of the toughest parts of the process for most students. So kind of they can get an early jump on it. It usually leads to them feeling a little bit more comfortable as they navigate it, having time and space to kind of um, change their mind and make different decisions and just figure out the process as a whole. So I think you know, generally junior year is a great time to kind of kick off that writing process. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and so um, what are some things that they could be doing to kick that off at this stage, right? Like assuming they're a second semester junior right now.
3: Yeah, I, I really like to encourage students to start with that self-reflective piece. So I think that a lot of the writing that they're ultimately going to do for essays can feel really unfamiliar as they actually approach it. It's very different than what they might be doing in their high school classes. Um, And so, you know, They want to kind of prepare themselves for that particular style of writing, which is really founded in self-reflection and self-awareness and looking back at past experiences. Um, So if they can utilize this time to kind of start that self-reflective piece, it'll really help them along the way. They can kind of get into practice of doing it. Um, I like to encourage students to start journaling. So if they're not a journaler and they haven't ever taken the time to kind of sit down and think about how that week went or how that month went. Um, it's really nice to kind of start that practice now in the spring of junior year, kind of start keeping a little journal, asking yourself those questions, you know, what did I learn this week? What was a challenge I faced this week and how did I work to overcome it? Um, and really explore who they are in their experiences and preparation of having to kind of undergo that same process um, from the college essay perspective. Um, mm-hmm. I think for most students, that's the first step.
1: Mm-hmm. Um- Alex, how about you? Do you have any, any thoughts on this? <laughs>
5: yes, I definitely agree with Aisha. I think it's a, a great time to start thinking about the process. I do think it's a little too early to say, I'm going to sit down and write my college essay and be absolutely done by, it by June. I think June and July is, that's when I really want you to start working on your first draft. But right now, let's start that brainstorming process. And how I like to go about that is, you know, similar to doing some journaling for me, that always put a lot of pressure on it. I would sit there and say, oh, I've got an hour to do this and nothing's on the page. So I find that actually putting a little timer on my cell phone and saying this five minutes, I'm gonna do a free write and just write as much as I can, that can get me going in journaling. So I do think that's a really great idea, Aisha. And sometimes if you need that extra little encouragement, that timer can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, just also conversations with family and friends. I think the self reflective piece this can be really hard for us. um sometimes it's hard to feel confident, sometimes it's hard to see you know what are our greatest strengths. So I advise having conversations with family and friends and asking them you know, when you think of me, what are the five words you would use to describe me? And that can really get the wheels turning for a lot of students too.
1: Mm -hmm. And so just to give this some context, this one's for you, Mary Sue. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, what makes a good essay, right? I think a lot of families are like probably puzzled by what we're talking about. They're Mm -hmm. like, don't I just need to like explain, you know, uh, my accomplishments? Isn't that what the essay Mm -hmm. is all about? Um, So Mary Sue, maybe you could give a little bit of um, insight into what a good college admission essay should be.
4: Right. So, I mean, I think a great essay is one that really kind of has two components to it. Um, I always think that it should have some storytelling aspect. You should be trying to put the admissions reader in your shoes for the moment or the experience that you're describing. Um, And certainly, I think we'll talk about this a little bit more, but admissions readers read a lot of essays. And so You want the the opening to be kind of interesting and to grab my attention. And, uh, you know, sometimes we say have a a hook or some sort of interesting line to make me want to read more. Um, So that storytelling aspect can really come through at the beginning of the piece. Um, But if the whole essay is one long story, but it doesn't have that second part of reflection and saying why telling that story is important to me knowing about you, then I think it's missing um, a level of sophistication in the essay. And so I think of great essays as having some of that, you know, telling your story, telling your experience, and then reflecting on that experience um, in a way that illustrates for an admissions officer kind of who you are and, and what character traits or talents or Ideas you might bring to a college campus in some way, although it does not have to specifically talk about your academic interests or specifically talk about um, your, you know, particular career path or anything like that, but it should in some way illustrate who you are and why that might be attractive mm-hmm. <laughs> to an admissions office. Mm mm-hmm.
1: So hopefully that gives a sense of like that this might be a little more complicated than Mm -hmm. uh, what people think. And so I'm going to actually steal something from Aisha that she sent me in an email as we were kind of emailing about this. If you start early, it also gives you a chance to have other people read it and give you feedback on whether you are bringing the level of reflection that is typically, you know, I often read essays and say, you need to dig a little deeper in here. Like you tell me that I've just read an essay, um, like a first draft, it was actually for a summer program, but I think it'll be really mm-hmm. useful down the road. And, you know, the student would say, I found XYZ really interesting, but then never explained why. And I'm like, okay, this is the essay. Why is this interesting to you? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, like that's that's where you need to expand here. So, um, all right. So let's let's move on, like a really important piece of what we want to talk about here today is not essays in general, but when students write about past traumas or even ongoing traumas. And so, Alex, why don't you kind of weigh in on some of your experiences with that, like what you've seen and um, kind of whether you found it to be advisable or not?
5: Yeah, I think with the trauma essay, they can be really hard and and really heavy, right? Um, In my experience at admissions, um, coming from... University of California was my my last institution. And I think they have, um, you know, somewhere in the, the dark holes of the internet, where everyone's posting on, <laughs> on blogs and Reddit and whatever it may be, there is that reputation or idea and myth out there that I have to have my sob story, or I have to talk about something really hard in order for it to matter. And that's simply not true at all. So I want to say, let's bust that myth right now. But when approaching these really hard subjects, you know, whether to do it or not, I think it it really depends on the situation. It may depend on the university and your story. You want to think that often, Um, And I I don't say this to sound insensitive, but often these admissions officers are spending seven to 10 minutes reading a college application. So that essay may become a little bit of your soundbite. And we might not refer to you by name, but you might be, you know, the student who wrote about X. So is that the story you really want to share? And is that the story that you want to tell? So I would say that's kind of the gauge that I would use. If Mm -hmm. this is something that's really central to who you are and how you've um, become the person you are today, then yes, we can absolutely tell that story. If there's another story that you feel is more important and more core to who you are as a person now, then let's think about that story too hmm
1: mary sue what do you think mary sue just for context is in charge mm-hmm. of our like we help lots and lots of people review uh we review a lot of essays and mary sue is one of the people in charge of that mm-hmm. process so she sees all kinds of essays under yeah. the sun right <laughs> like, right. so yeah let's have you yeah. on this
4: um so i mean maybe maybe it's important to kind of say you know what what we mean by trauma and i think trauma can be um, things like um telling about um that the student has endured an assault or a crime against them, um or that they have been in an abusive situation, or that they've had something like um a traumatic medical diagnosis or surgery, or um a, a close family member has passed away um, during their high school years. And so these are the kinds of things that when we read really as a team, thousands upon thousands of essays, uh um, those of us who manage the essay group kind of see some of these things come up um, as, you know, traumas that are talked about. And, you know, certainly these are um, uh, things that are kind of maybe very hard for a student to deal with. And so admissions officers are people. We certainly have empathy for the student in those moments. But I also wanted to know sort of more than just detailing the trauma in, in that essay. And so sometimes I would read an essay and the entire essay would be about the story of the traumatic incident. And at the end of the essay, it would not have any of that reflection. It really seemed to just serve a purpose of let me tell you about this trauma in my life. Um, and to the point where, you know, as, a, as an admissions officer reading that, um, or even for for those of us who are reading it uh, and helping families um college coach, we, you know, if my major question at the end is, is this student okay? Because there doesn't seem to be any resolution or um, there, there doesn't seem to be, it seems very much still in the moment of that trauma. And so um, we still wanted to make sure that that student was ready and prepared for a, a, you know, presuming maybe a residential four-year college experience moving away from home that can be stressful. And so we wanted to make sure that they Um, were on a good space where they could kind of move on to that next step. And so sometimes trauma essays sort of don't have that level of reflection where they've talked about sort of coping skills or ways in which that student has gotten help and been able to move past it. Um, And and as Alex just mentioned, we don't want it to be the only thing that we know about you as a student. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if a student has gone through something very, very difficult, um, you are more than just that difficulty. I, I almost think of it as if you were meeting a new friend for you're meeting someone who you want to be a friend for the first time, or you're going for a job interview, you know, would you start that job interview or that new meeting with, let me tell you about the worst experience in my life or the mm-hmm. worst era um, in time? And you probably wouldn't. You want, and so similarly, um, the admissions process is not really a confessional. It should be a time mm-hmm. when. Um, You are first kind of leading with your strengths and sort of what positively you may bring to the process and to that college, um, rather than sort of just telling about sort of the the worst and most traumatic experience that you've Mm had in the last few years.
1: So I want, Aisha, I want you to weigh in, like, have you, can you think of an example of when a student did talk about a trauma or something that they'd gone through, but did it in a way that is sort of like really added to the admission process and to the fuller understanding of who they are instead of making them just that kind of one-dimensional person that Mary Sue is talking about. Like, can you address that?
3: Yeah, yeah, I have um, read essays in the past where students have focused on very difficult experiences that they've had to navigate. And I think there is potential for it to sometimes work. if they do it properly. <laughs> um, and so what comes to mind is when I was reading for the institution that I worked at in admissions, um, I read an essay from a student that was had navigated through the foster care system um, and was eventually adopted um, in their, I think, junior or senior year um, of high school. Um, and so You know, that essay, you know, chronicled a a very difficult circumstance for this student, one that, you know, most of us are not ever going to have to traverse or have not traversed. Um, And, you know, instead of really fixating on the negatives of that circumstance, they made it a story of their journey to finding their family, right, and Mm -hmm. finding their place um, and becoming a person who finds a way to fit um, and connect wherever they are and wherever they go. Mm -hmm. And for me as a reader, reading at an institution that was very large, um, where students had to really work hard to kind of find their niche, find their place, um, find their community. This spoke to me as a student that, you know, would be able to do this on my campus. Um, And ultimately they were admitted. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, as long as a student um, is very careful and intentional about how they tell that story and places the focus on the skills that they've developed, on the personal characteristics that they've developed, and who they've become, and the way that that might serve them potentially as they move forward in their life. These essays do have the potential to be impactful in the admissions process in a positive way. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I think it's really important to note, like, as you tell me that story, what I come away with is that my heart goes out to that young woman for what she had to go through, but also what an unbelievably strong person. I mean, it's unfair that she had to go through that, but you know that that's someone who just has remarkable skills of resilience. So, um, and I actually have a a kind of a similar story that worked. I mean, I, you know, I, I worked with a student who, um, you know, had an, you know, became anorexic and actually was hospitalized for it. And, I think that's a topic to be cautious of um, potentially, but her essay was wonderful because she wrote about how she sort of started her journey being very judgmental of herself and other people. And it kind of manifested in like, you know, initially she saw a woman with anorexia and was just very sort of judgmental of her. She wrote about it more beautifully, like putting us in the place in that moment, as Mary C said, but then about how through the process, what she realized is that, it's, it's, if she can let go of judging herself, she can also let go of judging other people. And it, it was, and she had like, um, and, and she really embraced that and started doing all this kind of activism work about supporting other students. So it, it was just such a lovely essay. And, you know, off she went to Emory. I mean, she did great in the process and went to her top choice school. And, you know, so um, so absolutely. But it's all about like, what she ended up doing was highlighting her strength within that, like what she had learned from it. So, um, Alex, do you have any examples of like essays that you thought were particularly strong or um, ones, I mean, it's a little tricky. You never want to say anything negative about a student, but an example of one that really didn't work. Either one.
5: Yeah, well I, well, I think the ones that just really don't work don't have that self-reflective piece, right? It's we don't see what's the period of growth, what's the transition, what's the strength here? Um, kind of to, to flip it on its head, I had a student who um, wrote about how growing up, um, they lived in an area that had heavy gang violence. It was a very violent, turbulent area. Whenever anyone said the city's name, they would say, oh, you know, we don't want to go there. But instead of focusing on all of the negatives and that bad reputation of really her home, she talked Mm -hmm. about all the positives and how she found her sense of community and how, um, It was truly a wonderful place for her to grow up because it was such a tight-knit community. So I think that's just an example of we don't have to necessarily have that trauma essay as you can focus on, wow, what are these amazing things? And that's one of the best essays that I've ever read. Mm -hmm. So um, I think... Either way you go, there are ways to make the essay work, as long as it's a story that's personal to you and you're sharing something that only you could share. That's that's the thing we want here is we want to get to know that student. We want to see, you know, we don't mm-hmm. necessarily have that chance to maybe do an interview or a chance to meet you in person. So how are we going to remember you and how are you going to leave that impact? Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Is,
1: and this is almost an aside, but I'm also want to say that it's not a good look to pretend you have a trauma when you don't. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm, and and yeah. that's less common. But I, I remember talking to a student who was very well off, came from an intact. I mean, everything you want, like this kid doesn't mean that you can't have difficulties in life, but like truly this student had not had any trauma other than just being a teenager, which can be traumatic in itself, but nothing like sort of exceptional. And he came to me and he said, well, I know you're supposed to write about a trauma, but I can't really figure out what to write about. And I was like, shut it down, (laughs) shut it down. I say, honestly, like A, it's not true that you're supposed to do this. And B, if you don't have a trauma and you pretend that you do, or you try and amplify something, like the example that I would give is my parents were divorced. I could have written about that. But like, ultimately, I knew that like, lots of students, parents were divorced. Uh, And so even as a high school student, many, many years ago, I was like, this is not going to be as interesting, I think. And, and that was one thing that I was right about, even before I started working in admissions. So
4: yeah.
1: um, Yeah. So Mary Sue, do you have something to add here?
4: Sure. Yeah. So I mean, I, I, I completely agree with that. And I think that um, if, if you wanted to, if you, uh, as you asked Alex, like sort of what doesn't work, I think as an admissions officer, the types of essays that sort of irked me the most were the ones that, um, were what I would have called, you know, borrowed sorrow, um, which to me was, um, you know, thinking about if there, if there has been something that has made you sad or has been traumatic, um, in your life, it, it it should be something that is directly impacting you sort of on a daily basis. And so, you know, again, you you just gave the example of your parents had been divorced. Um, that's not that unusual for a student. Mm-hmm. Similarly, many students deal with the death of a grandparent during uh, their high school years. And, you know, I think back, my grandmother died when I was in junior year. We lived in Florida. We saw her a couple of times a year. It wasn't something really of all I was sad about it. It wasn't something that really impacted my day-to-day life because she didn't live with me, you know, all of those kinds of things. So I do think about it from that context, but sort of the borrowed sorrow aspect of it is that sometimes we will see essays where a student will talk about, you know, a, a, a friend's cousin's mother passed away and and then talking about, about that tragedy Um, in their own life. And again, think about sort of your layers, your sort of layers of connection to this particular tragedy. If it's, you know, tragedies happen in in communities all the time. And so if it's something that happens, but you are not directly connected to it and it's not something that is impacting your day-to-day functioning, then I would absolutely say don't write about that because it does come across as kind of trying to, Put out a, a story that is not really directly relevant to you, and frankly, it doesn't tell me that much about you. It tells me about that other person. Um, and and you know, for example, I had a student last year who really wanted to write about um, their best friend's sister who had um, a debilitating muscle illness or disorder and was wheelchair bound, but it was really more the best friend story than. Their particular um, story. And so, uh, you know, again, I think think about sort of your direct connection with that. And if it's not something that is part of your daily existence and part of your daily life, then I would say it doesn't qualify as something you can write about and tell about you in your college essay. Mm -hmm.
1: Unless, I guess, the one exception I would make is if the essay isn't really about kind of what happened. But if you took action, like, for example, yes, yes, a student yes. of mine's grandfather died of Alzheimer's. And so yes. he wrote about
4: absolutely
1: becoming an activist around that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yes. awesome, you know, like, because yes. uh, and it did. And to your point, it became something that was part of his daily life,
4: right? you know, or, or weekly anyway. So, yes. yeah. yeah, it's just examining that reflection of, you know, sort of how far removed are you from the situation versus how close to you or this situation. And if it is something like activism started because you saw someone who was dealing with something difficult, that's great. But again, then the focus is more on the activism than about telling that person's tragedy or their trauma.
1: All right, so when, um, I'm not sure who to address this to, so um, (laughs) like let's start with Aisha and the rest of you can chime in. Um, When might it actually be a good idea to write about a challenging situation or a trauma or something like when might it actually be almost an incomplete application without it?
3: Yeah, I, I think you kind of have to look at what is your core as a human and at what is the core of your character. I think if a student starts there in their in this thought process and in this development of what they're potentially going to write about write about in their essays and uh, organically arrive at this crucial experience that happens to, you know, incorporates a certain level of trauma, then okay, um, you know, you kind of have to tell that story. If it means that there is going to be a lack of understanding or the pieces of your application are not going to connect in a way that paints a whole picture of you as an individual, if you were to leave these details out, if it would prevent you from sharing something that is so essential Mm -hmm. to your personhood, um, then I would say, okay, well, yes, this is the time, this is the place we're going to kind of move in a direction where you tell this particular story, even if it does incorporate trauma and an extremely challenging situation. But otherwise, I might tell you not to you know, incorporate. Right. Mm-hmm, yeah. So really, it becomes about being very student-centered. I mm-hmm. think that's why that self-reflective piece is so important to this process is because this essay really needs to be a, a super authentic representation of, of who you are, and whichever story does that best is the story you should choose, even if it does happen to be a story of trauma.
1: Mm-hmm, Okay, yeah. Um, As, oh, go ahead, Mary Sue.
4: Yeah, I was gonna say, I, and it can be. Um, I so I had thinking of a student that I had a few years ago who had a major um medical issue. Um, that for her 10th grade year, her grades were really impacted, and she was out of school a lot because. Um, of really trying to figure out what the diagnosis was it was a rare uh, condition, and so it wasn't an easy diagnosis um and so her grades suffered that tenth grade year and I thought it was important for the context of her application that she tell that story at some place Now it ended up in her case that she uh, didn't actually write her main essay about that. she used other parts of the application which you know we can kind of talk more about but um, it was important for that story to be in her application somewhere because it provided context as to why there was such a dip in grades during that 10th grade year. And she did rebound for 11th and 12th grade after getting proper medical treatment. Um, So, you know, that, that was an important sort of part of her narrative was that she um, had stabilized and was, and was ready for college um, after that proper treatment. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Alex, do you have anything that you want to add here?
5: I think I I definitely agree, Mary Sue, with if there's something that is a part of your story that's going to add context, we're going to have to tell that at some point. So maybe that's the main essay. Maybe that's additional comments. Uh, maybe that is through your counselors, too, through letters of recommendation. Your counselor may even call up an admissions officer, depending on school, to share some information about you. So I think it's important to know that if you don't share something, an admissions officer, we're not going to know that about you, right? So you want to just be mindful of that. And yes, I do think that you can do this really well. And sometimes, That story is, while it may include trauma, that is so core to who you are and your growth through your high school period that, it would be a disservice to the application to not have that there. So, if there is so com- something that is so core to, you know, maybe building strengths um, that you have developed, or um, a change you've made in your life that has, you know, sent you on a new trajectory, yes, I think definitely you want to share that story.
1: Mm-hmm. So. What about, so like how we've kind of given general guidelines and examples, but like, and obviously there's no formula to college admission essays, but Mary Sue, I've actually seen some of her guidance that included kind of Mm -hmm. ways to think about the structure. So Mm -hmm. Mary Sue, I was thinking maybe you could kind of talk about like, here's a possible structure that tends to work Mm -hmm. if you are going to write about, you know, and it's important to you to write about one of these situations. Mm -hmm.
4: Yeah, so I I would think that, I think that the structure that I advise students um, would be, and this is not sort of, you know, uh, like many things in admissions, when you're writing a great essay, it's not sort of a precise cutoff. But in general, um, I would say, if you're going to talk about some sort of difficult situation in high school, um, l- l- maybe only confine that piece to the description of the experience to maybe the first third of the essay. Um, you know, here's what happened here was uh, when I got uh, that medical diagnosis and sort of the process of finding out what was wrong and how it impacted my sort of day-to-day life. But then sort of the remainder of the essay, the two-thirds at the, towards the end of the essay is really more, what did you learn from that experience? What coping mechanisms have you come up with that have helped you get through that stressful situation and perhaps might help you get through similar stressful situations um, if this is an ongoing issue or or something you know it's stressful to go to college. and so we wanted to know that you had developed some um, support and help that would help you get through future stresses as well. So those ways in which you've been able to um, really deal with those instances and what you have learned from it, that should be sort of the the latter two thirds of the essay. Um, so that's kind of the general structure that I, that I recommend um, when a student's thinking about it. And again, it may be that's the structure of your main essay, or maybe your main essay is about something else entirely, and the um, the the rest of it is the the spe- piece about trauma might be more in an additional information section of the application, which is a different section than that main essay. And so. Most colleges, whether it's the common application, most college applications, so it's the common application or some of the state university system applications are going to have some space that says, is there anything else you want to tell us? And so that might be the space really to talk about um, that traumatic experience or that difficulty um, in perhaps sometimes a shorter and kind of more straightforward way, but again, concentrating more on the strength, the resilience, the coping uh, skills that you have learned from that more so than just detailing sort of every difficulty of that time mm-hmm. in your life or that experience.
1: And maybe even how you've used it to help others, mm-hmm. you know, like what you learned about those coping strategies. Um, I worked with a student this, uh, you know, who's class of 2023 who, I mean, it horrifically had been like exposed to gun violence like Mm -hmm. in multiple different ways um and it it was he felt like it was actually hard for him to write about it but he really wanted to because he had started a club at like he just sort of realized that this is such a terrible issue like when and it was kicked off when a, a friend of his took his own life you know, using a gun. And he was like, we need to address this. This is mental health and this is access to guns. And so he like started a club at his school and he started, you know, and he's like, I'm, I'm, you know, we're starting on peer mentoring and we're bringing in speakers. And, you know, he, he, he was kind of full of plans of what he was going to do. And I, I, I loved that he wanted to take his pain, which was very, very real, but what he wanted to, and, and help other people with it. And that's mm-hmm. what he wanted to focus on in the essay. Like, um was sort of talking about like it feels like there's nothing you can do but there are at least small things you can do and Mm -hmm. um it was such a like wonderful and remarkable message from a 17 year old boy you know Mm -hmm. like i just thought good for him Mm -hmm. so now one thing so in the common application you can use the additional information section to write about these things what about the university of california application alex
5: yeah So University of California application, there is a similar area that's um, additional information or additional comments that you can utilize. Um, Also on the UC application, you'll see a little bit of a difference in the essay structure, right? Is instead of the long extended personal statement we have for the common application, there are four personal insight Mm -hmm. questions you can respond to. So maybe it's one of those core for, or maybe it's in that additional comments
1: section. hmm Anything special on the University of Florida application, Aisha, or, I mean, they're on the Common App at this point, right?
3: Yes, they're on yeah. the Common App now, so it's pretty standard. Um, but um, I do want to just quickly say that I'm in full agreement about, you know, what, what it is that you take and do with that experience that really matters. And I was reminded when you were talking about how, when I was at Florida, um, we had quite a few applicants who were at Stoneman Douglas um, during that, the school shootings that happened there. Um, And so there was a period of time where we saw a lot of essays that included, you know, information and stories about an extremely traumatic event that changed the students' lives potentially Mm -hmm. pretty much for forever. but we also read a lot of stories during that time that were about triumph and resilience and activism. And they were some of the best essays that I think I ever read in my career happened during that time period and were from that set of students. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just saw a lot of effort and movement and um, students making change wherever they went, however they could. Um, and so, yeah, that that was really formative to me as an admissions counselor, really impactful and Um, I encourage students to really pull that, pull that out of themselves, Mm -hmm. you know, when they can.
1: Yeah, let's honor those students. Actually, I don't think I've ever seen anybody like, you you know, use such a terrible situation as such a call to arms more so than they did. Um, Just remarkable. So. Um, All right. Well, I think I think that is it. Um, We only have a couple minutes left, so I got to do my sign off. But Thank you all so much for coming. This has been, I think a great discussion and also a very important one. So thank you everyone. (laughs) All right, so everybody uh, join us next week when we'll be talking with Megan Steubendeck of Arbor Bridge Test Prep, all about the current state of standardized testing. We are devoting an entire episode to it. So given how complex the situation is right now. So I think you'll all find it extremely useful. And then finally, I want to remind you that you don't have to listen to our shows live. Every show is accessible 24-7 on the Voice America website. And you can also download every show for free on iTunes. And by the way, um, please rate us if you're on iTunes. We want more people to find us. So please do rate us. Um, You can also find all the shows on blog on our blog page. So blog.getintocollege.com along with our written blog posts. Um, And that's a good place. If you're curious about other topics, you can find our archives there. Um, And yeah, don't forget we're here every Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific.